Welcome to Fable and the Verbivore. I'm Fable, Beth Stedman. And I'm the Verbivore, Laura Johnson. And this is a podcast for writers who read, readers who write, and, and everyone, everyone who, who loves, loves words. Okay, so today we have Mariah Chavis with us, and we are super excited to talk to her. She just had a new book come out, her first full-length book, Heart of the Sea, and we get to talk with her about it. It is a pirate sirens adventure story with some romance and just super exciting. Um, Very much fun to read. And we got connected with Mariah over Instagram and just kind of over the past, oh, probably a year or so. Um, And it's just been fun to, to check out her work and get to know her a little bit and to see her funny reels and all of that. So um, we hope that you go check out her stuff. You can find links to everything in the notes. And yeah, welcome, Mara. Thanks for being here. Oh, yeah. I'm excited to be here. It's so funny. You mentioned my reels. And so it makes everybody think I'm an extrovert, but I'm not. Like, I'm <laughs> so introverted. <laughs> I You're this is creative pan. outlet, right? Like, yeah. There's this part of me who's, who is like, nobody really sees this it's just the internet like it's not real people like I think that's yeah. honestly how I'm able to do it and like think I don't even like I don't know I just can't think of it as real people are watching it and so when I do I just post whatever I love that but I think it means that it's so truthful and authentic because yes. you kind of don't have to worry about how it's received you can just I know get on there and so, do. so when people in like real life follow me on Instagram I'm like yeah, they've, <laughs> they've discovered, they have, they have realized who they are talking to. Well, we always start out our interviews kind of asking the question of what your story is a story or kind of what your creative journey has been. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so um, I'll just give you like the elevator pitch for HOTS first. So HOTS <laughs> is Narissa Elliott. Uh, um, her sister was like taken about two uh, two years ago by a darkness that's trying to take over all five kingdoms. And in order to save her, she has to steal the fastest ship in um, Easterly. And that is captained by Cyrus Crow. But Cyrus Crow has been ordered to kill her for the cost of his freedom from a malicious queen. I love that. Such a great setup. Yeah. <laughs> so much like tension and conflict right there. On- <laughs> I know. I worked, I, I worked on it so long. And then, so now I have it like, they're like, you need one sentence. I'm like, I can't do one sentence. I can do two. But, <laughs> but yeah. So it started in 2020 when I think everybody was needing something as a creative outlet. So I actually started in March, 2020. I had just started a new job, but I worked there two weeks before everything shut down. So I am, I, I'm a school librarian, so um, it was good because then I just went into the job for the next school year, but, and then I I got paid, so that was even better, but (laughs) it was a lot of, uh, you know, sitting at home and, you know, doing, since I was a school librarian, I would do, like, things and send them to the teachers, and then we would do, like, staff meetings and stuff, but it wasn't as, as synchronous as others. And so I was finishing grad school, but since, no, you couldn't do anything, um, I was, I finished my papers, like, a week in advance and so then I was just sitting at home and so my husband and I or he was my boyfriend at the time but um, we were like we're just gonna watch all these movies so we started with like Marvel and Chronological Order uh-huh. and Harry yeah. Potter and Pirates <laughs> of the Caribbean and so while watching Pirates of the Caribbean I was like it would be really fun to write a pirate book but like more magic and so that's yes. that's what I started doing 
is I was like, I want it to have more magic. And so originally I started it as like historical fantasy. And so some of the stuff that I use is like based off of uh, like geographical locations. Like if you look at my map, it, it kind of looks familiar um, to other areas, but, and then I, I kept some of those things in, but I was like, I just want to create my own world because that's a lot of fun. So I ended up doing that after writing the first draft. So I actually pants the first draft, but so that, I mean, that just means a lot, a lot of editing, yeah. <laughs> um, which is fun. Um, but it, it was definitely a long editing journey to get to where it what is today. Yeah. Um, it was writing something that you had always dreamed about or like, did it just kind of come out of that time or um, yeah. Like Yeah. So I have always wanted to write. Um, I, this is, Pots was actually the seventh full length manuscript that I finished. Okay. Um, and so during grad school, I didn't have time um, because I was doing school full time and working full time. So I had actually taken I would just write write small things, but I never finished anything for about two years. Um, but when I, I sat down to write hot, so I had finished it in about seven months, the first draft. But yeah, I uh, I got into reading when I was like 12. Um, my mom handed me a copy of Twilight and I was like, this is Pandora's box. Like I, I can't stop <laughs> reading everything now. And so, and then I was like, you know, I really want to write my own stories, create my own stories. And so I started doing it then. And then when I was about 18 or 17, right after I finished high school, I was like, you know, I'm just going to sit down and I'm going to finish something. I don't care if it's terrible. And it was, it always is, but <laughs> you know, it teaches, it teaches you how to write. Like I always tell people who want to be a writer, I was like, always sit down and start and start it and finish it. It doesn't have to be yeah. good, but telling yourself that you can start something and finish it is so much of like it's so much of the process because you'll psych yourself out and you're like, I can't do this, but you can, it's just, you have to get from start to finish. Everything else comes later. As long as you have words on a page, you can fix them. Yeah. I, I think we learn so much by finishing the work. That's, it's really true. Like you can, if you only ever start things, you'll only ever get good at the beginning and really like yeah. telling a complete story is really important. Even if it's messy, even if it's, um, even if it just gets shelved, like you learn so much from that process. Okay. So I'm curious, like you said, you pants that first draft of part of the sea. Did you like, what was that first draft life? Like how far is it or different is it from what ended up getting published? Um, it, well, Cyrus's POV was originally in third person. And then, so I switched his to first person so that both of the main characters were in first person. Um, there was, the ending is a lot shorter than it used to be so at one point during the editing you know I was just trying to get down because like at some point you just like I have to get down everything that needs to be in the story and then you can go back and cut yeah and so at one point it was like 116,000 words and now it's like 86 so if that tells you anything <laughs> or like 90 or something like that so like not every word you write is gonna make it onto the page yeah. And so like the, the main character motivations and each of these tasks that she has to go through in order to get to uh, Revlira, the, the kingdom she's trying, the lost kingdom she's trying to find, all those stayed the same. It was just a lot of, you know, those small scenes that change. And um, but like the ending has always been the same. The ending, ha I've yeah. always ended it the same way. Um, even, even in the first draft, it ended the same. I changed the last line a few times, but in the essence of it, it's always been the same. Uh -huh. How do you, do you have a process for deciding like which of those small scenes or what things to cut? Like, I think that's sometimes a hard thing for, mm -hmm. for us as writers. We get kind of precious about it and we're like, oh, but I like this 
little bit of dialogue or whatever. Um, do you yeah. have rules for yourself about that or do you just kind of feel it out? Well, with Hots, I so I, when I started writing it, I was like, so how many characters or how many people, I shouldn't say characters, how many people are in a crew? That was my first question. So, cause like, I actually am terrified of the ocean. So I don't even, <laughs> I know it's ironic. And so, <laughs> and so 12 people are a part of a crew. And so I originally I had 12 like characters with names mm. and people were like, that is way too many. Yeah. Like, like you don't, like you don't have to name all those characters. So that's when I made it like my main I think six. I have to count them. One, two, three. <laughs> She's got yeah, them on six. her shirt. For, for <laughs> I've got them on my shirt. So my name's six. Um, so I cut it in like half. And there was one character because I was trying to cut it down to five. There was one character I was like, he's got to stay. Like I am not. He's like my comic relief character. So I left yeah. him. <laughs> and I just made him a bigger. I just made him a bigger part of it. And so. Um, but yeah, cutting characters is hard because I did have to. Or, or cutting anything is hard because I. I had like a younger kid, like on the ship at one point, um, I had a, and so he was kind of like, um, he kind of showed a part of Cyrus's, like his more sensitive side. And so I had him on there, but he just, in the end, he didn't work. So I kind of like morphed some of his dialogue into the character that I was like, I have to keep him, but it was really hard to let go of him because I loved him so much. And he was only like a nine-year-old character. And I just like, that was hard. But um, I think, when um once you get the whole story down and once you get feedback it's hard to get feedback it it really is hard especially when some of it especially after you know if you've been querying for a long time and she's been like your hopes have been up like you'll have a lot of requests and then it's a lot of rejections and a lot of requests and a lot of rejections eventually you'll be like well I have to listen to some of this because there's a reason they're rejecting it. And so it's kind mm-hmm. of just, you have to take a bit step back from your story and look at it as someone reading it, not someone writing it. And that is harder um, because you see the whole picture, but everybody else sees all these little puddle, puzzle pieces that they have to put together. And so yeah. when you can see the whole picture, sometimes it's harder to let go of those little, those little pieces that don't actually fit. Yeah. And so, yeah. That's a really good point. So speaking about feedback, Mm-hmm. I know that you have mentioned on social stuff that you have kind of a writing group that you do retreats with and things like that. I'm curious kind of um, what that process looks like in get, getting and giving feedback with them and how you kind of connected with them. Um, we always, I, I'm always just fascinated by how those communities form. And um, yeah. I think a lot of writers want that and don't know how to get it. So I'm curious about yeah, that. Yeah, commu- community is really hard, but um, it's hard for me too, because I am such an introverted person. Yeah. It really is hard for me to step out and be like, will you read my things? And so like yeah. I, my, my, my critique partner, Cassie uh, Giovanni, she has a few self-published books um, on Amazon and she and I met, I don't know, probably like seven, eight years ago, just through Instagram. Mm-hmm. And um, so she and I started talking and then she just, she's like, do you want to read something of mine? And so it's so funny because most of the stuff I've read by her um it's just been like these manuscripts that I've edited for her um or like I critiqued for her and so like she and I would swap manuscripts yeah and also like her her favorite of mine is one that I shelved and so you know finding her was really great because you know like I said we don't we don't agree on everything we've never met in person and so it is it is different but like when you find someone who is willing to look at your writing, eventually that person becomes like a friend too. So sometimes she and I don't even talk about writing. We just talk about like friend stuff. Like I'm friends with Amanda Alder too. And she and I always say to each other, we're friends first and writer second. 
Like we were friends first and then we were writer friends. And so I think that's important too, is to not look at it as like you're getting something out of it, but you're, you're also giving something out of it. Yeah. It's you're creating community. And I've been on Instagram, my account's like 10 years old because it started, it started <laughs> as a personal account. And eventually I just switched it around 2017 or so. Um, and then like these past like three or four years, I've been, I've been more active as um, making sure it's just bookstagram. I don't put any of like my private life on there just because mm -hmm. that's just my, that's just my choice. And so I make it like it is a marketing tool. Um, mm -hmm. And so when you make that community, it's, it's great, but it doesn't happen fast. And I think that's mm -hmm. what people, they want to do it. They want to get quick thing, but yeah. writing a novel doesn't happen fast and making community doesn't happen fast because like, like I said, I've had this Instagram for a long time. I started as a reviewer. I started as a blogger. I was writing in the background, but all I would talk about was like my reviews and my books. And then I just did writing in the background. Mm -hmm. And so then I slowly transitioned to talking more about my writing, to talking more about like my short stories and things like that. Um, but I built the community with other book people. And then I built the community with other writers, supported other writers. I've supported other writers for a long time just because I love books. I love stories make sure that that's why you're doing it is out of the joy of writing. Mm -hmm. um, because if you lose the joy of it, then it's not fun anymore. Like mm -hmm. when I was having such a rough time with this current manuscript I'm working on um, this past week, actually, I was like, I just don't even find joy in it right now. And if you don't find joy in it, you just need to take a step back from it because in the end you have to, it has to be something that you do because you love it. Not something you do because you want to, you know, be like a New York Times bestseller or because, you know, unfortunately it doesn't happen to a lot of people. And so if you just enjoy telling stories, then you're always going to love it. I mean, there's going to be times when you're like, I need to take a step back. I need to look, I need to get away from my writing. But when you do find that community, you're able to connect with them and you're able to talk to them about, you know, the imposter syndrome that comes along with it the hardships of writing, the endless editing, that even when your book is published, you're going to find a mistake in it. And it's going to make you cringe every time someone orders your book. And, but you know, it's going to happen. And so, I mean, community is, I would say when you find a community, you have to look at it as you're finding friends. You're not just finding other writers. And when you find other friends, then it truly just becomes, this is something that you have in common, but it's not everything that you do together. And it's a great point about it taking a while too. Like, I, I find that's true too. Like a lot of my current writing community, I mean, started years ago and, and it did take a while to get to a place first where we were exchanging work. And then now where we're able to have um, even, you know, to meet or to have even more relationship. But one of the things that we noted about your Instagram is it does such a great job of marketing, but also continuing to do book reviews, continuing to bring in the book community and bookstagram. It has such a great mix. Did you want to talk at all to how you approach that? Um, we love the aesthetics that are up there, um, on, especially about hots and how how piratey and how just it has the feel of of the flavor of the book. Yeah. So I, like I said, I just I love stories. I love supporting people who love stories. And so when I love a book, I think it, I think it's so important to tell people that you love it. Um, and so. Like if you, if you just keep it to yourself when you love a book, then no one else can enjoy it. And I just want everybody to find a book that they love. Like I, like I said, I'm a school librarian. And so my day job is to convince children that they love reading. <laughs> like it's, to, it's to teach them that everybody can, everybody will fall in love with a book. It's just, they haven't found it yet. 
I think, you know, talking about the books you love and, you know, supporting other authors and helping them spread the word about their writing is so important because, you know, art is very subjective. Not everybody is going to love it. And it's also something that has a very high risk. And also a lot of the times it has a low reward. And so, you know, just sharing about the books that I'm, I'm enjoying or sharing about the audiobooks that I'm listening to, the things that I'm reading or, you know, promoting friends books and things like that. That's just, it's something that you can do that's free, but it helps so much. Yeah. And, and so I don't even necessarily think about it, you know, in a terms of, you know, and in the end, I know that it's helping the authors, but I also, I'm like, it's helping other people find books they, they love. Um, because, you know, there are some books that I never would have discovered if someone's like, hey, you want to read this? Or would you be interested in reading it and just reviewing it for me? Like some of my favorite authors I've found just because they've reached out and they're like, um, do you mind reading it for me and just reviewing it? And so I think, like I said, everybody, everybody could love reading or everybody could enjoy at least one book. They just haven't found it yet. And so I think it's so important to spread that love and that passion for stories um, because storytelling is so important to us as humans. Like, you know, we've been telling stories since the beginning of time, even before they were written down. And so that's another reason, like, I'm such a big proponent of audiobooks. Like the original storytelling happened like with, you know, orally and people listening to stories. And so I just think it creates connections with people, you know, telling stories and falling in love with stories that everybody loves. Um, or finding, you know, when you find somebody who has enjoyed a book that you just love, like it, it creates this instant mm -hmm. connection. And I just yeah. think that's so, that's so magical. It's magic in a world that doesn't have any. And I just love it. Uh, I love that you're a librarian. <laughs> that's so cool. It's like the coolest job ever to me. We love librarians. And, yeah. And we are wondering if there's any skills, tools that you've learned in the process of your job that have translated that you wish that other people knew about or anything like that? Um, well, especially with kids, because I've always, um, this is my third library that I've been in since I, I got my degree. So the thing that I have always, that amazes me is that you would not, you would, you would, it's really sad just how much, it's, it's sad, but it's also, it gives you hope how much a child just loves to be read to. Mm -hmm. Like, even, um, so I, I the, the school that I'm currently at, I actually started in March, but I, I finished the year as a third grade teacher and then the librarian retired. So I just, I moved into that position. And so like, even at the end of the year, we had finished, you know, we had finished everything after testing and everything. And so I was just like, we're going to read Harry Potter because I want to, so we're going to. <laughs> And just, just then reading it or like the only time that I could get these kids to be like quiet was when I had an audiobook on and like, there's just so much magic and, you know, them listening to a story or following along or have finding that passion or finding, finding the magic in storytelling. And so I, I love to tell people all the time, just the most important thing about, especially kids is the most important thing is just read to them because, you know, it helps with language acquisition. It helps with social emotional stuff. And I, I just, I really don't think that I realized just how important it was to read to children. Like, of course, um, my mom was major about reading to us, you know, some of my yeah. most, like some of my most influential memories are like reading the Chronicles of Narnia together where she'd read a page and then I'd read a page. And so, but not every child gets that. And so I tried every time someone's like, well, what can I do to help with the reading? And I was like, the only thing 
the best thing you can do is just to read to them. It doesn't matter if they're reading it to you or if you're reading it to them, because it not only does it help them understand how stories work, and then they're able to tell you what happened in the story. So it's reading comprehension as well. But it creates this connection. Like I said, reading is, reading and storytelling is all about creating this connection. Because, you know, like I said, it's that magic of when you find somebody who loves, loves a book that you love, then it's, it is. It's like magic that happens. And so with children, especially, they are so young and they're so influential Then I think reading these stories that show them, you know, magic in everyday life or that good things happen, um, you know, that, you know, evil doesn't always win. I just think it's so important because it keeps that hope in them as children and it makes such wonderful adults because you know that their brains are so malleable at such a young age and it's just great so I like teaching elementary school for that reason because they haven't decided if they like something really or not so like you can still be like reading is fun you just have to find a good book and so that's why it's so much that's why it's so much fun and my goal as a librarian is to make it so everybody wants to come into the library because the library is a place where they feel safe they, they have fun. They, they feel welcome because I know I love to be surrounded by books, like my living room. <laughs> I have book, my bookshelves are in our living room. Um, and so I just want everybody to feel like that, feel welcomed and warm um, because I just think it's so important. Do you have from your own childhood, like, I mean, you mentioned Chronicles of Narnia, but are there books that like you fell in love with that helped you to love reading or that stand out to you in your memory? Yeah, Twilight's the main one. Like I read that and I was like, this is amazing. I need every single one of them. Like I didn't even want to yeah. finish the series because I'm like, what am I going to do now? What, is, what am I going to do with my life? And so, and then I read a lot of those, um, those classic YA, I like to think of it. And so, the Max and Rye books, um, City of Bones, the, the, when it was just a trilogy at the time, it was just a trilogy when I, I read them. And then uh, The Giver, The Giver's such a great yeah. book. And yeah. You know, that one, The Giver specifically, is one that you enjoy and you can appreciate the older you get. And that's what I tell people about Harry Potter, too, especially that last book Mm -hmm. is the more times you read The Deathly Hollows, the more you're going to cry because it just means so much more the older you get because you really understand what she was saying in that book because you really do see Harry grow up. And in The Giver, you know, you see what society can turn into if we let certain things happen. And so, like... I just, that's another reason I love reading those books that they have no age limit. And Mm so, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Have you mostly written YA fantasy? I mean, you mentioned a handful of books that you had written before and that you had shelved. Like, is that the genre that um, really pulls you most and that you've mostly written or have you explored other genres and things? I explored other genres. The first full length manuscript I finished was a, um, like a retelling with a fantasy retelling. Um, But then I switched to contemporary. I tried contemporary, but I don't think I, I don't know if I enjoy writing contemporary as much. I think it taught me a lot about how to write characters that people can Mm -hmm. fall in love with because, you know, in contemporary stories, you're having to make everyday life exciting. And sometimes just it's not. And so (laughs) um, that, that was, I was able to do that. And then I did write like a mystery one, um, but, you know, with writing, I think it's so important just to try different things. Mm-hmm. And then eventually you'll find your footing. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll find the kind of stories that you that you love. And so I've written a lot of short stories that I'm going to that, that are coming out that have come out. And I, I wrote a science fiction one that's coming out in September, I believe. It's with 20 Hills. It's their Never Tales Volume 2. Um, mm-hmm. And that was like the hardest short story I've ever written. 
<laughs> just because sci-fi is just another beast. And also I, I like writing novels. And so um, I tried to add all those novel things into it. And, and she's, and eventually one of my editors was like, Mariah, you're not writing a novel. You, you can't have this, just cut it out. And so I was like, fine. <laughs> and so, um, but it taught me that I don't know if I would like writing a science fiction novel because I don't, I don't think I can do that for 90,000 words. Um and so I think I think really my love has always been in fantasy and fairy tales and things like that, just because it's what I enjoy reading a lot of. Yeah. Um, when I was writing contemporary stuff, I did read more contemporary. But I think with fantasy, especially, I just love how when we when we write fantasy or when we read fantasy, it makes all these things that couldn't happen. But somehow we're able to connect to the characters, because even in a world filled with magic or a world filled with all these other like creatures um they still have this human condition and i just love that and so i love writing that i i love how earlier you mentioned the importance of hope in your in writing and i i think a theme of hope and light has come up a lot in your work do you want to talk to that about how you feel about that and about kind of the theme um and the importance of the theme yeah, so I I think it's so easy for, you know, there's so much going on. And if you look at all the bad things that happen, like even in the span of like five to 10 years, I think mm-hmm. if we focus on all the negative all the time, then it's just going to make it, it's going to make it so hard to see any light in anything. Mm-hmm. And so I don't, when I go out, when I, when I start to write stories, I don't want to say that bad things aren't going to happen, but I want to, I want people to understand that even when these bad things happen, there is still hope at the end of the, like there's still light at the end of the tunnel. There's still hope. Um, There is still going to be some good that comes out of it because if everything was just dark and gloomy and sad, then that would be very, that would be a depressing life to live. And so, I mean, we need to, we need to, I I like to show, especially in teens, because like teens, you know, there's, there's a very high like suicide rate right now. Um, there's so many dark things being published. And so I just, I, I like to point out that even in the darkness, there is light. And so if you actually, mm-hmm. if you get a signed copy from me, that's usually, that's, that's what I write is mm-hmm. even in the darkness, there is light. And so, or even in the darkness, you can still see the light somewhere or, you know, in the darkest of times, there is light because there, like, there's going to be something good come out of, of, of it eventually. But sometimes you just have to go through the pains of getting there writing a story is not necessarily the funnest thing I've ever done and so it can you know it can lead you to some dark moments but you know when you have a when you have a book or a story in front of you that you are proud of like that is that is the light at the end of the tunnel but it it was probably a long journey to get there and just because it's a long journey doesn't mean that it was you know it was only downs at some point it's going to be up but, you know, you have mm-hmm. to go through those ups and downs to get to the very top of the mountain, yeah. for, for instance. And so, but at the top, you can see everything. Um, you can see all the things that you had to climb over, all the things you had to go through to, to get there. Um, but, you know, eventually you made it to the top. And that's the most important part. And this is your first full-length published book, right? Like, what yes. was that publishing process like? And, um, like, getting to the end, what what did that feel like and look like for you? did you query it like what what was that process like yeah so I I queried this one a good bit it had a lot of attention I had a a good many requests but the story you know my thing is sometimes 
I also like to tell people this, don't rush a story. Cause I have a bad habit of doing that. Like I don't like, I, I, I see like it's that whole thing of where you see the whole picture, but everybody else just sees the little pieces and they have to put them together to make the whole picture. You already see it. No one else does. So they're just reading the little pieces. They're looking at each puzzle piece, but you are looking at the puzzle on the box. You're looking at the picture on the box. And so sometimes like you said you like I said you have to you have to look at it from a different view and so when it's so important with querying to take all that feedback into consideration you're not going to agree with what everybody says you're not going to agree with it what every person who reads your book says but when I so I started querying it um and then eventually I queried it to Quill and Flame and then I was asked for an R&R which for anyone who doesn't know is like a, a revise and resubmit so I revised it and I resubmitted it or I edited it. She, she had told me, um, April Skelly, who is the, she's the owner of the publishing house. She like had given me some like idea. She had given me some things that she wanted to see in the edit. So I edited it and then I sent it back and then, um, and then that's when they accepted it. And then after that, you go through the editing phase and you do some developmental edits and then you do line edits and copy edits, which I always confuse the two. I shouldn't. I've been doing this. I've been writing for so long. I feel like I shouldn't, but I always confuse them. And then proofreading, um, and then arc readers, and then asking for endorsements. Um, and then after you get all your endorsements, there's um, in the midst of all this, there's cover design, which I worked with a great cover designer. And so I, I really love how the cover turned out. Um, and then mm -hmm. interior design. And so I did work with somebody for the interior too. Um, which was a lot of fun. And so actually the um, part one, part two, part three, part four, part five are all hand drawn by, um, uh, her the, the, is Olivia illustration on Instagram, but she mm -hmm. is the novel bound co, I think their podcast novel bound co. So she actually hand lettered all of those. And so interior design oh. and all that, all those things is, is a lot of fun. Um, arc readers were very stressful because it's like the first time that someone is reading your yeah. book um and for anyone who's a writer just don't look at goodreads because i am i'm a bad <laughs> i i'm the worst at doing that just don't look at it just let it just let it be what it is let it be a corner on the internet but just don't look at it and so but yeah it, it's a it is a long process but at the end it just speeds by and, and then all of a sudden you have a book in your hands and you're like i can't believe you know almost four years has passed since i sat down at my laptop and i was like okay i'm gonna start a story um, but it does, but like I said, it does take time and that's okay. I mean, especially if you're, I mean, either traditional or self-published, whichever, whichever you want to do, either one takes time, but the more time that you put into it, the better it's going to be at the end because all good things take time. Yeah. Yes. I love that it has a map also associated with it. Did you want to talk about the, the development of the map at all? Yeah. So the map I drew after I finished the first draft. So I just had it in my head. And then, um, and then I was like, I probably should sit down and just map this out for edits. So that's mainly the reason I did it was I sat down on the floor with like this big old giant piece of paper and I, I drew it out. And then, and, and then I would like, I was like, okay, she goes, they go here first and they go here and they go here and then they end up here. Mm -hmm. And so that was more for me than anything. I mean, I love a map and a, I love a map and a book, but to be honest, it was just me so too. I knew where we were going. <laughs> um, love it. And so, um, and then I also the crew is the crew is from all over the place. So we have one character who's um, half Hillsman, but he's also half Nickelodeon, which is like um, was which was based off France. 
so he's from like what's based off Scotland. And so he's from like his, mm-hmm. one of his parents is from Scotland, one's from France. And then, you know, Narissa and her, her family is from like these islands. And then, you know, Cyrus is from this place that's based off of like England. And so I had to know where they were so I could figure out what they looked like too. And so that was so important because, you know, every, you know, based on where you're from, you're going to look different. So I thought that was very important too, of having, you know, a more diverse cast and then being able to map out exactly where they were. Cause I, I, I wanted to be able to say, okay, this, this is why when you read the audio, when you listen to the audiobook, um, eventually when it, when it comes out, is that's why her accent's like that because she's from this area or that's mm-hmm. why he has this Scottish burr because I, I it was inspired by this area and so yeah I love creating maps I think they're fun and I think they're so useful for a reader like coming to a book especially one that's an adventure story and that goes around in the world it's so helpful to see that and be able to like be like okay where am I <laughs> yes. to everything else it's so helpful like I said I went I needed to know where I was so they needed to too <laughs> absolutely <laughs> uh, and I know that you're currently working on um something else for uh fall of 2024 it's it's a it's connected to a short story right from the 20 hills um what the darkness fears do you want to talk about that and what that project is Yes. So my um, story from What Darkness Fears is called Ghost at Midnight. And it is about um, Leanna Polly. And so it's Victorian England around the time of Jack the Ripper. So it's like um, late 1888. And she is at a ball and all of the, and when the clock strikes midnight, everybody in the room freezes and she's left alone. Stand, and this ghost is standing in front of her demanding <sighs> that she finds her killer before he kills somebody else. And so it's um, obviously it was not very common for women to do much of they it was it was around the time of the suffrage movement in um, London, but it's still like you know not as common for especially higher society women to do anything outside of the home. And so it's her, you know, deciding I'm going to find this murderer, and then it's a bunch <laughs> of other novellas that um, all the novellas. It's going to be a collection of novellas. And each novella is a different case that she is trying to solve. And so I'm very excited about it. I love oh, that. Yeah. I, I saw the aesthetics of it and it just looks amazing. <laughs> I've always heard for like Victorian and murder mystery and mm-hmm. it just sounds delightful. <laughs> yeah, I, I've had fun writing. I, um, I, have, I have one more one more novella that I am working on. I did do it on deadline. I'm writing it on deadline. And so I have one more novella that I'm working on, but the one I just finished was, was a lot of fun to write. And so I'm very excited um, to get through this first draft. Cause I like all the stories that she's, that she's gone through all the things that she's done. So it's a lot of fun. That's awesome. I feel like even just hearing a little bit about that and then knowing um, heart of the sea, like you do a really good job writing uh, strong female characters. And I'm curious, mm-hmm. like, yeah. Is that something that's important to you? Like, is that a theme throughout your work um, or just in these projects? And how do you go about making those those females jump off the page and have that that mm-hmm. strength in, in lots of different ways? Yeah, I think it's so important to have female characters who are strong, but also feminine. Um, mm-hmm. So that's something that I, I wanted to focus on, too, is that just because you're a strong, independent woman doesn't mean that you have to mm-hmm. that you can't still wear dresses or, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. still wear like, you know, and especially with um Narissa like she like she's no nonsense about a lot of things but she is but she is still 
she's still striving to do what her father um, asked her to do. She's still trying to be the best sister she can be. So she's stuck mm-hmm. in this, she's kind of stuck in this role, but instead of looking at it as a prison, she's trying to use that to make it her strength. Mm-hmm. And I think that mm-hmm. is so important is to show that, you know, we don't have to look at all these negative things as negative. Sometimes it can be a strength that we can make, mm-hmm. that we can just show our personality better that it can make us stronger. It can make others around us stronger. Yeah. Um, it can make, mm-hmm. you know, meaningful relationships. And with Leanna, um, that's the main character of my uh, or my novella collection that's coming out. She's been raised in society, but, and so she's been told what to do and what not to do, yeah. but mm-hmm. she has this desire just to, you know, help people. That's, that's what she wants to do. And she doesn't want that to be controlled by whether or not she's a man or a woman. It's mm-hmm. just, she wants mm-hmm. to help. And, you know, so that's her showing her strength is that, you know, I can, I have this ability to do something. I've been given this power to, you know, see these supernatural things. We don't really know why Um, you'll figure out when you read it, but so I'm going to use that to make it a strength. And I'm just, even when people are against it, I'm still going to use it to the best of my ability. So most of the stories are about her saving other people or other people needing to save her or something like that. But either way, it's showing how you create these meaningful relationships, but just by being yourself rather than being in the box that people tell you you need to be in. And sometimes who, who you are doesn't necessarily fit in with everything. But as long as, you know, you know, she she's not choosing to be like the person who's destroying other people's lives. She's trying to help them. And so I think, you know, that's why she's like so determined. It is why she's so determined. She's determined and because she knows that you know, she, she doesn't, she doesn't need these boundaries because she has this ability. So she needs to use it. Um, and so I just enjoy writing, you know, I enjoy writing strong characters. Um, Mm -hmm. but you know, sometimes even when you're the strongest person ever, you're going to need somebody else to help you. And I think that's important to note too. That's why I have, especially with POTS, that's why it's a dual perspective because it's mainly a sister story, but it's also a story about how, you know, family is so important. Um, found family and the family that you're that you're given. Um, and so that creates strong characters as well as when you lean on people, you don't just try to do it all on your own. Yeah. Did, did you want to talk about what you're currently working on? Because it sounds like the um, novellas are kind of coming to an end. Um, what, mm-hmm. what projects are you are is next? I have my hands in so many pots. I really should. <laughs> <laughs> I love it though. Uh, yeah. So I, I think I just, I, like I said, I love stories. And so I am working on, uh, I'm working on a shorter, it's a shorter novella. It's kind of between a short story and a novella um, for a collection that I'm going to be editing with 20 Hills. And then I'm also working on a, another novel that I'm going to start querying, hopefully at the beginning of next year. I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to take my time with it just because I, I have a lot of have a lot of hope for this story. I um, started writing it actually in January, 2022. Um, it started out as a short story um, for a anthology. And so I sent it to my critique partner and she, I was like, it's not finished yet. Can you just give me your, can you just give me your thoughts? And she's like, Hey, this doesn't need to be a short story. Cause it's somewhat, you're so you have so much that you need to like settle. So it needs to be a novel. And so I just shelved it. I put it to the side and I kept it in this little file and then I started working on it again in December of 2022. And so then I started working on it um, around that time. Um, I don't do nano. I, I, do, I find it stressful, not helpful. And so, but it was probably around that time when I started working on it. 
And so, um, and then, so I finished the first draft about in June. So I'm, I'm, I'm in the editing stage of it, trying to get alpha feedback right now. So I was, I just recently got out of a funk where I'm like, this is terrible. I need you to just delete the whole thing and throw it away. <laughs> but I finally figured, but I finally figured out the right key to put into the lock to make it on, to make the story finally make sense. And so okay. I, I'm going to be working on that. And so I'm really excited about it. Um, Cause I've added some, things that are going to make um, my female main character um, a lot, a lot stronger. And then uh, my male main character too. And so this one actually is told in third person uh, first and third person present, which is uh, different. I have written yeah. a lot in first person, but um, I really am liking how this story is coming about. And so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you have your elevator pitch for that story or kind of, can you give us a little bit of that? Um, I don't know if I have my elevator pitch, but it is a retelling of a fairy tale of Snow White mixed with, there's this other tale, uh, another fairy tale about a, a king who wants a daughter and it's a mixture of that. And so, um, but it's told from a different, one of a different perspective. I just don't want to give out t- too much. It's not told from <laughs> yeah. Snow White's perspective. And so, yeah. Interesting. I That's love it. <laughs> I, w- I was wondering if you'd tell us, so obviously you're wearing your lovely shirt. If you wanted to tell us about your Etsy store and all the lovely bookish things on there. Yeah. I checked, I've checked it out and enjoyed <laughs> looking at the different things, the headbands and shirts on mm-hmm. there. <laughs> yeah, so I uh, this is my my crew shirt. So it's got all the members of my crew plus um, Cyrus's familiar Besnick, um, who is his crow that he talks to. And so this is the shirt. Uh, yes. So it's got all my crew. My mom and mother-in-law also own one, of course. And so, um, but yeah, so these, this shirt is actually on sale right now for back to school. Um, so it's 20% off as well as signed paperbacks and hardbacks. If you, if you would like a hardback, I just haven't, they just haven't been delivered to me yet, but I have all the paperbacks, um, signed paperbacks. And then on top of that, I have some bookish like art that goes with hot. So stickers that were drawn by, Mariposa Artiso and then I also have a magnet and I cannot remember the Instagrammer's name but her name her first name is Abigail and then I think I Abby Abby Rue Art um, she designed the magnets and so I actually have some um, I went to ever sticker mule has a sale I amazed, and so they had a they had a uh, holographic sticker sale so I also ordered some holographic stickers with um, Cyrus and Marissa art on them so I'll be getting those in the mail soon and I have those at my I have those at my book signings Um, I have my book launch at the beginning of the month and then I'm going to be actually at uh, I'll be in Pelzer South Carolina again they have this mile-long yard sale every year around the time of the first home game for Clemson home Clemson football um and so I'm gonna I'm gonna be set up outside the coffee shop that I have my book launch at for anybody who's in the Greenville area or Anderson area and not going to a football game (laughs) what's the date of that um I think it's October 7th unless it gets canceled because of rain or anything yeah awesome this has been an amazing conversation you've given so much so many moments of wisdom in here (laughs) Um, but is there any any last advice that you would give to anyone who's trying to write or anyone who's trying to get published um, that, that you've learned along the way? Well, I have a few things would be, well, one, don't let it steal your joy. Don't let publishing mm-hmm. steal your joy. Because uh, if you focus on 
the publishing aspect, you will be sad a lot of the time. Mm. <laughs> um, publishing is very subjective. It can be a hard field to break into. Um, and also just because you're, you've published something doesn't mean it's going to get easier from there. Um, so that's why community is so important. Um, finding friends who also are writers or finding people who are passionate about your work, um, who enjoy reading your stories. Um, because everybody's going to have somebody who loves your book. It doesn't matter. Like there's going to be somebody out there who just absolutely adores your story. Um, and so focus on those people because that's who you're writing for. You're not writing for the people who give one star reviews on Goodreads. You're, you really don't need to be writing for the publishers um, or the agents or the market. You just need to be writing for, you know, that one person who's going to enjoy your book. And I know that sounds, it sounds like, you know, very small, but it is a, Writing is a passion that has high risk and a lot of the times low reward. So if you go into it wanting to do X, Y, and Z, then you're probably going to be disappointed. But if you go into it because you love it, then you'll just enjoy it the whole time. Even in editing where you want to throw it away or delete it, you'll still love it. You'll still want to be, you'll still want to be working on it. Like, um, my friend Amanda, my friend Amanda was like, well, you just need to take a break from it. I'm like, Amanda, I can't do that. I physically cannot. I made myself, but like, <laughs> it's just because, you know, those characters become such a part of you because you are putting so much of yourself into each character you write. You're, you know, when you are writing a story, I think, especially don't look, this is one another reason it's best not to look at Goodreads because you do put so much of yourself into every book you write, even if it's, um, even if it's not conscious that you've done so there, there, your insecurities, the things that you're proud of about yourself, the things that you worry about, the relationships you have that are good and bad, that's going to reflect in your writing and storytelling. And so mm. your story is so personal to you, but it's just not that personal to everybody else, mm. but eventually you'll find a reader who connects with it. And that's the important thing. That's such a great reminder. I think it's easy as writers to kind of get caught up in all the things that we want to happen with our books because we do have, you know, like it, we do have dreams. We we write. Yeah. We're not writing journals. We want to write things that we share with the world and we want people to, <laughs> to read them and love them. But I think it does often come down to like, we have to remember the joy we find in writing the story and in, um, and in the story itself. So I think that's really good. Oh, yeah. reminder. Yeah, it's, I mean, like I said, it's, like you said, it's not to say that I don't have aspirations or all these things that I would love for my writing to do. Yes, I would love for my book to sell a million, million copies. That would be great. But <laughs> I also know that I just en I enjoy writing. I enjoy listen like when people message me and they're like, "Your book." Like I had someone message me the other day and like, "I don't cry when I read, but your book made me cry." And I'm like, "That is just that's amazing to me yeah. that someone that, that my book meant that much to somebody." And it is, it is a small, I wouldn't say victory, but it is, it kind of is in a way because it's like, okay, your art means something then to someone else as much as it means to you. Yeah. And, you know, the world has 8 billion people. It's not going to mean something to 8 billion of them, but it will mm -hmm. mean something to at least a few of them. And so that's just, that's just what's so important. I mean, keep your aspirations, keep your goals. Cause those are, those are, those are critical too. Like, you want an agent then you need, you know, work your butt off to get an agent. Cause you know, I'm about to go and querying trenches again. So, <laughs> you know, like it's, but also don't let all the no's cripple you from continuing to find a yes. Yeah. Because if you only focus on the no's, then all those dreams and aspirations and all those positive things that will come out of your story being out in the world, 
will just disappear because all you've done is focus on the nose and you're not focusing on the yes or the positive things. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well, it has been a delight to talk to you, Mariah, and I'm so glad that we got to have you on and just to hear more about your journey and your stories. And I'm very excited for your upcoming works. (laughs) Thank you for sharing about those with us too. If you want to find out more about Mariah, you can check the notes and find um, links to everything there. And we hope that all of you have been encouraged by this and that you keep reading and writing and sticking with it um, and putting your work out in the world.